from within the thick green camellia leaves. Vermilion flowers are blooming. It's Monday, April 23rd, Unexpectedly, 2018. I'm Jeremiah Zimmerman. A tall, and this is episode egret, 158 of the 5049 its podcast. Long neck, How you guys doing? You all right? Crossing. You hanging in? Are you enjoying springtime? I am. Thanks for joining us for another conversation uh, about music, creativity, the practice of getting some work done between myself and another musician. Today that musician is composer, vocalist, multi-instrumentalist, conceptualist, world traveler, Jen Shu. Jen Shu's on the show today, and uh, I'm going to say right up top, Jen Shu has got the best laugh of anyone who's ever been on the show. Before we get into it, May 28th, we're going to be doing the very first uh, of hopefully many live podcast taping slash concerts uh, at the Arate Space in Brooklyn, New York. Once a month. We're going to be doing these things. Uh, I'm going to have someone do a concert. After the concert, we're going to talk, and we're going to tape it all for episodes of the podcast. First one's happening May 28th with Toby Driver, presenting some of his ballads with the group String Noise. June, Peter Evans. July, Zena Parkins. August, Ben Goldberg. And more to come. If you're in New York... Uh, during that time, come out. It's going to be fun. I think it's going to be really, really fun. Go to the 5049 website for more information. Jen Shu. I first met Jen uh, probably over 10 years ago. Uh, she was living way, 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 way up in the Bronx. And, uh, you know, we don't run in identical circles. So my, my, my run-ins with Jen, you know, were... I've always been pretty infrequent, but I've, I've always really enjoyed her. She's really nice. Um, as a musician, she, I think, does something that is utterly singular and, and unique to her. She just put out a record this last year called Song of Silver Geese. And, you know, it's a recorded document of a much larger presentation that includes dance and, and lots of theatrical elements. But the record alone uh, features you know, I think 10 musicians, including a string quartet and a lot of, you know, New York City's really best improvising jazz musicians. It's a multilingual work that uh, took Jen for many years around the world uh, doing research. And it's a huge achievement. The record is insanely ambitious. And uh, I've never seen, seen this performance live. I've watched videos on YouTube. It's really something. You know, you want to talk about someone uh, setting the bar pretty high. I think Jen does that. For many years, she worked with Steve Coleman's band, The Five Elements. She's worked really closely uh, with people like Tyshawn Sori, Nicole Mitchell. Um, she's she's the real thing. She really is. If you want to find out more about Jen Shu, go to jenshu.com. She stays very busy, uh, and the website is pretty awesome. There's a lot going on. She's got a lot of shows coming up, uh, including tonight at the Ice House in Minneapolis, Minnesota. If you guys are in Minneapolis, get out to the Ice House. 
If you're enjoying this show and you want to help out in some way, go to the Patreon and become a monthly donor. We're on a listener-supported model at this point. It's patreon.com slash 5049podcast. Uh, oh, let me just... I said something for a second. Jen's laugh had me laughing for like a couple hours after this conversation happened. This conversation just happened a couple weeks ago and you'll hear it throughout. She has a very uh, diabolical slash hilarious laugh, um, which I, I found to be completely delightful. Uh, go to the Patreon page, go to the website, uh, do what you got to do. That's it. I hope you guys are all doing well. Here's my conversation with Jen Shu. Like where it's so where it's like really like a Indian kind of thing. Indian, right? But it's just any kind of a lot of hipsters are moving in. So like you? Am I a hipster though? Am I a hipster? I don't know. I don't think you're a hipster, but you are among the people who who are changing the neighborhood. Yeah, certainly. I mean. Yes, you're right. I guess, right. You were in the Bronx for all this. Oh, yes. Because it was so cheap. Because it was cheap. Mm-hmm. And, and now, you live somewhere like, like in Riverdale or something? Yeah, 231st Street. So is that Riverdale? It's or is Kingsbridge. Kingsbridge. It, I can walk to Riverdale. But it's not like the scary Bronx. No, it's not. No, it's not scary Bronx. It's also not the... like this Riverdale is a wealthy, wealthy, wealthy. Right. It's not that. It's like in between. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right, it's right, in right, between right. those areas. So, so when you were... Packing up that apartment, you use that. What's the name of the author? Well, no, I my assistant. So I have an. I uh-huh. hired an assistant in 2016. Uh huh. We could talk about that later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, are we starting yet? Yeah. Oh, we're already starting. Wait, is it Maria Kondo? Marie Kondo. But did it's you did you light. find the book useful? No, I haven't. I just started. <laughs> I just started, but I think even just the concept though was helping me. The concept of getting rid as of things I was that you don't yeah know. as I was packing. I mean, of course, actually, my assistant, I had her help me at the very end because I was like, I cannot finish this. I just can't. Yeah. I'm like sitting in my own memories, you know. Well, four, you said fourteen years. In thirteen that to four between thirteen and fourteen. I yeah. mean, yeah, and it was like right when I moved to new york basically that was like my really? first my first real apartment yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. um because before i was like sharing a space with me and masaoka oh really yeah okay sharing a space with mia and uh pamela z and amy x neuberg uh, that's know. a pretty great crew it was yeah it was fantastic it so was like a several bedroom apartment several no because <laughs> no. <laughs> we were in and out there you know we kind of lived in the bay area at the time are you from the bay area i well i i no, I'm from Peoria, Illinois, Dunlap, Illinois. Oh, really? Like Wayne's Born, World. Is that where he's from? That's where Wayne's World is based. Peoria, Illinois? Yeah. You know I Wayne's World? The I guys know, in the basement. but why didn't I know that? I don't know. Peoria? <laughs> That's the only reason I even know the name of that town. Oh, my God. I didn't know they were based in Peoria. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, well, interesting. I know uh, Richard Pryor's from Peoria. Really? Yeah. Oh, see? He's Something you didn't know. What? Wow, I'm yeah. surprised I didn't know no, that. No, he talked about he talks about it yeah. sometimes. He d- he did talk about it in his routines. But um but then I went to I was like I got to get out of here. Um I you know, I loved it actually, but I just wanted to get out and see the world, you know. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I went very far. I went to Stanford. Oh. And um so I was there four years, and then I moved to San Francisco. Uh huh. From so that's why the Bay. Like, where is it? Yeah, in Berkeley or uh, no? I uh, no, it's at Stan- it's Palo Alto. Okay, right, right. Very fancy. 
right. fancy city um, <laughs> where Stanford happens to be. So, but then I moved after I graduated, I moved to San Francisco. And yeah, that's where I met Mia Masaoka huh. and all the Asian improv folks, Francis Wong, John Jang. There's a lot of them out there. So many wonderful yeah. artists. Yeah. Right, right, right. Wait, so you were, many. Wait, what years were you in San Francisco? 2000 to 2003. Uh-huh. I met Vijay out there. Vijay Iyer. But, yeah, because uh-huh. he was already in New York, but he came out to perform. Well, he's from there, I think. Yeah, well, he went to Berkeley. Uh-huh. And uh, where was he born, though? I can't remember which. Was he born in the Bay Area? I don't know. Okay. I, I, I mm, thought I, I heard that. Look at that. I don't look that up. Maybe he was. But anyway, he definitely went to Berkeley. He got his. I think he's got his doctorate there. Uh-huh. But um, but he came through to perform. I met him there. I also met Steve Coleman there. But like, I I, I ushered for SF Jazz. You know, really? during that time, <laughs> I was working part time jobs, and I was supposed to go to conservatory. Wait, for opera. so you went there to? Wait, what did you study at Stanford? Music? Music, opera. Really? Like vocal performance, opera. Yeah, I, I had this amazing uh, opera teacher, like art song teacher, uh. who started teaching the year I entered Stanford. It was just a lucky thing. And she, her name is Jennifer Lane. And I mean, I actually wanted to do acting. So I was taking mostly acting classes when I first got there. And they, okay. they, you know, they have a small theater department. Yeah. You know, um, was it even a theater department? I can't remember. I mean, it's, you know, Stanford is so huge and heavy in like humanities and everything else. With music, they have a small music department. Four of us graduated that year. I mean, yeah, in, in 2000, we graduated four of us. The instrument that was, the, your instrument was the voice? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I did, because I was a pianist. I did start like at Stanford. I still took lessons, right. but then I started focusing. I just start focusing on, yeah, on yeah, voice. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, because I was like, I didn't have time. Yeah, it was. I just was like, I got to focus on something right, right now. Right, 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 right. And um, yeah, Stanford was a fascinating time did because you enjoy I, it? I loved it. Uh-huh. I feel like I squandered my time there a bit. I feel like I. You know, I could have taken so many other courses, you know, while I had the chance, but I was so doing music, you know, yeah. and, I'm a, and I knew I was going to do music after I graduated. I mean, I knew I was going to have a career, you know, right, just this do is what it. we're going to focus on. Right. Yeah. And so even though it did start with acting, because I have this like fascination with straight acting. I mean, just I, very quickly, the mm-hmm. little bit that I know of you. Uh-huh. I, I would say that spending time focusing on acting mm-hmm. concurrently with music would mm-hmm. seem to have served you well based on yeah. like the recent stuff. Yeah, no, no, for sure. And I mean, I, I really, my first love was dance, which I still carry into my work. Yeah. So, the, yeah, it, you know, growing up, it was just all these things, um, activities and it was kind of a prodigal, pro- prodigy type growing up uh-huh. like i just focused on like ballet orchestra violin lessons piano lessons ballet lessons and then like musical theater being in shows and are then, you you're the first generation born in this country yes yeah, so uh, technically that's second generation i'm so confused by I that know, you know you i'm look, born in this country but yeah. my, my dad isn't so right. that makes me second generation yeah that's okay. what they say but when you when you look on wikipedia they have both explanations there. Okay, I've always both exist. Both exist. You know, both both people believe different. Those both. You know, 
right. both of those. Okay, so, so okay, so that your parents were not born in those countries. No, my my dad was born in Taiwan, uh-huh. and my mom was born in East Timor. But Timor, she's, yeah, like the South East Pacific. East Timor, way over like there's Indonesia, and then beyond Indonesia, East uh-huh, Indonesia uh-huh. is Timor. Yeah, in fact, well, Indonesia. Oh, ha- actually, it, it, the west part of Timor Island uh-huh. is is it, technically Indonesia. It's Indonesia, right? Yeah, it's okay. still part of, they call Ntete, Nusa, um, Tengga, I can't remember, God, I can't remember, Ntete. So, yeah, it's like a million little islands. <laughs> yeah, well, Ntete is like a collection of these most eastern yeah. islands, and yeah, then yeah, yeah. the eastern part of Timor is East Timor. So that's like that's, Portuguese occupied? It was. Or, right, okay. And then Indonesia invaded, and they were there from 75 to 2002, Basically, okay. um, there were many killings and wars, and um, but then technically they gained independence. East Timor gained independence in two thousand two. Um, then tr- still trouble spots, infighting, <laughs> assassination attempt for um, Ramos Horta. Uh, but now it's pretty, pretty stable. stable. I mean, there's an election. When I left, people were very worried. Because there were like it's it's like the parliament like you 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 have like um, people who have more power than others you know sure it's, it's so di- you know it's a parliamentary uh-huh. type government it's not like ours so um, but did you, but did you grow up with did your mom bring in a lot of the culture of none no Why because she that? well what happened was she left when she was I think fourteen years to come old to here go to Taiwan. Ah, okay. So her so her father was and I never got to meet her parents. Very sad. Yeah. Never got to meet them before they died. Um her her father was a like a a businessman. Uh he had a business. He had like land which had coffee on it and so they harvested coffee and he he my mom just said import export. He he worked with import export. <laughs> so he was very he's but he was Hakka Chinese. Mhm. Um, as well as was my mom's mom and they met in Timor, East Timor, but my mom's mom was born in Kupang in the West, what we would call West Timor or, you know, part of Indonesia. So, but do you ever feel like I'm assuming something now because, Mm -hmm. and just like like my wife, her parents, her dad's actually from North Korea. Her mom's from South Korea. Oh my gosh. Um, And they moved here. They had three daughters here. Mm -hmm. They sent them to an all-white Christian school. Wow. They did not speak Korean to them growing mm. up. All three of their daughters married non-Korean men. Wow. And like it seemed like they were, you know, hmm. being pretty, um, you know, pr- pr- hmm. pretty methodical in in how they were, what kind of culture they were bringing them up in. Wow. At the same time, they kind of give them grief for not speaking Korean or oh going God. to Korea. Oh, my God. But wow. do you ever feel like, like you oh, got an interesting, something well, was taken from you or robbed? Like no, you, you didn't have... I think what it was, my parents, they explained it to me that... They wanted me, and I'm sure your wife would relate to this. They wanted me to speak perfect English. Uh-huh. They wanted me to to be, you know, grow up American and have that advantage of Asians having. Asian Jews are like so it's, into assimilation that it's. I know it's fascinating. Yeah. There's so much in common between, but yeah. um, but but then, um, you know, my mom. So my mom would tell me stories about Timor, but she like she grew up in Timor as a Chinese 
very different than being Timorese, you know. Sure. So in and in that time, it was very hierarchical. So mm. Portuguese were the top. Right. They were in control, and then Chinese were like in the middle because yeah. they, they had businesses, and and then like Timorese were the bottom, mm-hmm. and and basically treated, you know, like the work, like right. the help, right, 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 right. and um and the poorest, you know. So so my mom, she went to Chinese school in Timor, so she. I think she did learn Tetun, mm-hmm. um, but there was not much mingling, you know, between right. cultures. Um, right, right. I think there was some marrying, but but my my mom's family was pretty much like all Chinese, like just Chinese, you know. And there were a lot of Hakka Chinese um, at the time, you know. So so they all spoke Hakka, and I guess they learned Mandarin in school, mm-hmm. but. They didn't mingle with Timorese culture. I mean, I know more about Timorese culture than <laughs> my mom Timor's, does. Uh, yeah. Uh, what's the predominant religion? It's well, they were colonized by Cor- Portugal, so a lot. It's so predominantly Catholic. Okay. Predom- it, However, they have their own animism. Yeah. You know, um, which goes way back. Yeah. You know, so I, you know, they have these traditions that. So you know, have you heard of Austronesian mm-hmm. peoples? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. What's so fascinating, what I didn't know when I went to Taiwan for the first time, like as an adult, was that Taiwan, their indigenous tr- peoples are are also Austronesian, as well as the Timorese. So there's that weird connection. Like, who do we have to thank for maintaining records of this very confusing history? Like, I, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's like if you did like um, I was talking to some guy yesterday. This mm-hmm. like white guy that uh-huh. <laughs> he's just like he's white. You uh-huh. know, he's like fourteenth uh-huh. generation American. Right, and right. He's telling me about his twenty three and me, and I was like, you know that like you're the only group of people that like like that's even fun or like interesting or like useful for. Like, wow, you know what I'm saying? Like I, you know, mm. like if you're like an African American, it's right. like how useful is that? It's not. There's mm. no records. Yeah, no? I know. Yeah, I mean, my dad was able to trace six generations back like good, i remember I we 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 were in taiwan at the same time this is when i was st- going back there yeah doing my research there and he, they came out for my cousin's wedding so we all got to hang out together and so i we went to the you know like the city where they keep the records uh. in the archives uh-huh. of people's birth certificates and whatever so we went there and he was able to trace six generations back that's pretty good you know it's pretty good it's pretty good at, for taiwan you yeah. know because so he he was proud that he wasn't like part of the new wave of, you know, Chinese going right. to Taiwan during like in 1949. The sixth generation of Taiwanese. Yeah. He's yeah. Sixth generation Chinese. So it's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, good or bad. I mean, it was just, it was, he's just, you know, I guess their family's been there for a while. So, so when you were growing up experiencing music, it was Western classical music totally. and Western pop music. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. That was it. And actually, not much pop because really? <laughs> my, my my dad didn't like loud drums, like music with drums. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so it was like pretty much all classical. Sure, a string quartet. Pretty much, or or and then some musical theater, like even Evita, like right. Andrew Lloyd Webber was like, ah, you know. But then he like got used to it. Yeah. Even that was like kind of too rocky. Uh-huh. Right? Oh, so anyway, I kind of relate to that though. Like sometimes, uh, like with like, I'm gonna sound like such an idiot for saying this, but like. <laughs> With a lot of like contemporary jazz, mm-hmm. sometimes I'm like it's just too many harmonies. Like it's, I feel cluttered That's listening very funny. to. <laughs> well, for my dad, it was the drums. Like it was too loud, yeah. and uh, so you know, I had a pretty focused childhood, like on yeah. what I knew and what I was learning. And 
again, I feel like I was tra- I was training like a prodigy, like the piano. Sure. I think most my most intense time was with piano because it was I mean, competition. It, it, it seems like you had an aptitude, and that I loved it, and I, um, yeah, I guess it was kind of I don't know. I had a really amazing teacher mm-hmm. by. The time I was competing, meaning his, that they created a scenario where you enjoyed it, or yeah, I mean, he just—I don't know—the training was so intense, and for some reason, I I loved it. I mean, I I think as I got older, I loved it more because mm-hmm. I, I I connected emotions with musical expression. Mm-hmm. Before that, it was just like, oh, this is just what I'm doing. I'm just practicing, you know. But then when I can made that connection, it was like I had to like, you know. I mean, my parents were just like, go to sleep, but I would like keep practicing. And yeah. I, um, so that was pretty cool. I remember when that happened. Um, but with ballet, I loved ballet always. That was like... What, and what, what if you were to sort of recall that, that feeling, what is it? It was um, being on stage. It was movement. Um, I think I had an aptitude for expression and however my body type was not quite no it was too much or too little of what i wasn't like the skinny bony type dancer and i did my turnout was like not like you know the straight line so yeah so that physical type of of tall and skinny Mm -hmm. is that more conducive to the to the to the movement or is it more conducive to becoming a star i think well if you see all the new york city ballet you know if you see any of those divas ballet divas uh-huh. they all have the same skinny in the same way that models do but is sure that- sure i mean so it was more like oh i have little stumpier legs i guess i'm not gonna be like the the prima ballerina of the new york city ballet right but okay, so so but you know i loved it and and i got to be like clara when i was t- 11 or what 10 or 10 9 yeah. or 10 and so i like got to start acting then yeah and like you know being sad when my nutcracker was taken you know and it was that and i remember my the choreographer the director of the ballet company was was like you have a talent you know and um so that was like oh really you know and so i loved i just loved being on stage and performing and piano was more like a very internal thing i, I wasn't like showing when I was playing piano, as yeah. I was with ballet or musical theater, piano was very internal. It was so technical, and it was so like, how much emotion can I put through my hands? Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. so that was an intense, like, a lot of training and like playing with an orchestra when I was thirteen. You know, as a soloist, or yeah, Tchaikovsky. Ooh. You know, that was like kind of the maybe the my height of uh-huh. the height of my time because i was i was just kind of i don't know i watched that video and there's a video of you at that age doing yes it. what does that do to, to a 13 year old's head my head yeah you know i experience it, i i have it's kind of amazing thinking back like i watched that video i'm like damn do you how see did any I do joy that? In, i in think i enjoyed it I, no i definitely enjoyed it um I don't know. It's it's such a. I, it does feel like a different person in a way, though. Cause, yeah. Because I must have worked so hard. <laughs> and, and now, and you don't. And now, now I mean, <laughs> I uh, you know, I if I, I've never. God, I can't. Since I've moved here, I don't think I've ever practiced four hours in a row. Of course. On one yeah. instrument. Right. You know. That's so that's a little sad. They're like, oh, we the can't only do people that, that anymore. Do that though are like 
serious classical musicians, right. violinists and, right. and cellists, mm-hmm, or like mm-hmm. I, I speak, or like certain jazz musicians who right. you know have a right. But like wonder, <laughs> I wonder. Well, it's, it's you know I don't know when you're when you have a career when you're producing your own work, everything changes. You well, just, I mean, also you know? now, and I was just having this conversation with someone the other day. Uh-huh. Like, you know, I've always felt I've always said you know mm-hmm. that like if you're a musician, it's not okay to just focus on music. Like, you really have to have right. a lot of chops. Whether uh-huh. that's like the uh-huh. ability to you know mix a record to some degree, the ability to design a flyer, the ability to to book a show or, you know, administer a budget. Like you really need to be adept at all these things. But now it's like, you have to be so adept at so many things that if you aren't careful, you'll be Mm -hmm. lucky to get a half an hour of practice in a day. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. It's horrible. It's kind of horrible. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, time management, which is why I got this Marie Kondo book, you know, like, well, at least I can have like... Get rid of distraction. Yeah, or just like have a nice space to feel good working in. But if you're a part... Okay, so thinking about this this Marie Kondo book, if your apartment caught fire and you Mm. could grab five things, what would they be? God, I have more instruments than five. So... I, I have to get my biwas because those are really hard to get. What are those? My Japanese biwas. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These um, pipa. It's the it's same. Like, it's uh, it's like a shamisen. Or? No, it's this. It's a pipa. Oh, it's pipa. Okay. It's the same characters yeah. as pipa in Japanese and mm-hmm. Chinese, but it's biwa in Japanese, and it's played totally differently. So you're going to take all instruments. I would go for the instruments first, and I guess my wallet, <laughs> like money. Really? Um. But my instruments, yeah, yeah, that's what I would get first. What would you could do first? I mean, all kinds of shit. There's like, I a, mean, my computer. Maybe I, I guess <laughs> I would need my laptop. However, I can get a laptop easier than I can get a Japanese biwa, yeah. for instance. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, oh, but my hard drives and my field work, Jesus. Yeah, gotta get that. Right. So, you know? so, so you, I, I have to imagine, based exclusively on watching Wayne's World a lot growing up, uh-huh. that uh, <laughs> Peora, Illinois was not like a hotbed of culture and, and racial diversity. You know, what's funny is th- I would say Peoria was better to me than Dunlap was. Dunlap? Dunlap was the, the where I went to school. That w- it's in- North Ill- of mm. Peoria. It's mm. like eh, half an hour north of. And... I, you know, I, I will, I'm going to go back there and like do, because I have this 50 state tour where I'm going to small towns and villages really? to perform. In this country? Yeah. Now? Yeah, I'm 2018? doing it now. I've already started. <sighs> I know. You've so, already done some shows. I, you know, but I'm starting, basically I've, I'm just like doing these in the shows that I'm getting naturally. I've like, never been less curious about like the middle of this country. Oh my God. Well, but what, so what I realize is. When I grew up, there were no artists who came to our school. Yeah. There was a magician and a weatherman that I remember of like adult people uh-huh. coming to talk to us. Uh-huh. Magician and a weatherman. Uh-huh. And um, no artists, no women. So both the magician and there were men. No women, no artists, no women of color, no artists. So then I'm thinking, you know, that would have been amazing to, to see like this older woman who looked like me, perhaps she was Asian or even someone, you know, any other ethnicity doing like art and being, you know, it, it would have had such an impact on me and it would have encouraged me, you know, 
when in those times when I was being bullied or you know being made fun of, uh-huh. being looking Chinese, and um, you know to to have met this artist person who came to perform for us, you know, that would have like given me more confidence, yeah. you know, or even seeing that a world yeah. is possible where yeah. you're in complete control. Right. Of right. The components. Of right. It. So, yeah. you know, my only models were, you know, people on TV, the, the ballet dancers uh-huh. and the, uh, Jennifer Coe, who is funny and funny violence. enough. Yes. Funny yeah. enough. We're, we're friends now, but I watched her when she won the Chicago symphony orchestra, when she was like 12 or, <laughs> And like I was like, oh my god, you know, yeah. she was around my age, and I saw her, and saw that I was like practicing, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. So those are my models. I there were no models around me, is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Like, um, you know, so, so that was it. You know, I think what I'm grateful for is is to understand what racism racism was at that age, because it kind of gave me this desire to. Um, wait, wait, meaning mm-hmm. what racism was, how you internalized it, or how, well, how it, it existed? How it existed, how, um, how I felt when people would just like call me names, like chink on the bus, you know, uh-huh. and, you know, how I took it and how my mom comforted me and how m- art and music actually like saved me from probably going into deep depression or, you know, and what anxiety you know at least like at least my ballet friends they didn't make fun of me you know or at least the orchestral people they didn't make fun of me because of my race because i was a good musician mm-hmm. i was a good dancer you know yeah. it was merit-based so yeah. so that gave me hope you know that was that like you could be good at something yeah you could exist a little yeah. more peacefully <laughs> exactly and then and even like when i got older um you know the the I felt like the Peoria community it was actually wonderful for the arts because it had like the orchestra, it had it had like community theater, mm-hmm. which I joined like Peoria Players Theater, you mm-hmm. know, and they really embraced me. It was like a whole. It was so different from the school situation. Sure, um, it was like they were older, so I got to hang out with older people really at a young age, and they just were so supportive, and like I did a chorus line, mm-hmm. you know, the musical, and I was. I wanted the role of Diana Morales, who's who who's Puerto Rican, you know. Uh-huh. But they so they made me Filipina, so that I could still have Diana Morales and it would still make sense. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? It's but so I, funny. It's so funny. But they made it work, you know. Yeah. They made it work for me, like That's so that I could get special. the part. It was amazing, and I'll never forget, like Bob Lucas, the director, you know, who was so incredible and and he was like a huge mentor for me mm-hmm. and and he gave me all these like words of wisdom like never let them see you sweat and like and we wrote letters like i wrote letters we exchanged letters into my college years you mm. know i mean so that was huge never you let know? them see you sweat yeah never let them Make see it look you sweat easy. yeah is that what that means yeah or? and and, and even things like when i would sing you know there's that song in a chorus line uh, called uh what I did for love. Do you uh-huh. know that song? Uh-uh. uh-uh. <clears throat> it's like kiss today goodbye. You know. Yeah. La na 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 na. I can't remember the rest of it. Um, no. Da da na 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 na. Yeah, it's a very beautiful song. But I got so and like every time I sang it, I would start bawling and like crying. Huh. You know, like um, Was- won't forget, can't regret what I did for love. You know, like that. And I would be like. 
crying and kind of like my singing voice would be like all, you know, crackling, losing. Uh And he's like, you know, Jen, you know, you have to learn how to rein it in. It's yeah. not about you. It's it's what you're giving to the audience. You know, if 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 it's getting to the point where it's ruining your ability to sing or project, uh-huh. and then the audience starts feeling, you know, that instead of like getting your, you know, so he gave me instruction like that. You know, rein it in. Yeah. And like give the audience the best part of the emotional experience. Yeah, not, not the, the worst. <laughs> yeah, not the you know. So, you know, stuff like that. That was huge. I was only 16. I wish more improvisers would be given that advice. Sometimes yeah. I'm at a concert and sometimes yeah. I participate in concerts where I wonder, yeah. like, yeah, would this have been better, like, this experience been better uh-huh. served in, like, a therapist's office? Or, like, oh over God. coffee with friends? Oh, my God. <laughs> well... <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I see nowadays. I I always cry in my performances because I. But it's a it's 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 intentional. Yeah. There's there's it's it's uh, it's just part of the piece. It's a cathartic moment. And... I cried yesterday, <gasps> and it just came out of nowhere on stage. No. Oh, at home. Uh, walking down the street. Oh. <laughs> Do you know why? Yeah. I mean, I was thinking about something like a memory from a long time ago, but then. Huh. It just it, it it had like the first stirrings of hmm. of like the cry, hmm. and I felt it. And I was like, you know what? I, I should just cry. It might feel, yeah. it might it might help me get you know get through this. Wow! And I cried for like a minute or two. You cry every day. I you really? cr- well, almost, almost. It depends on what's going on, yeah. you know. But movies, ugh, yeah. every movie, yeah, every except maybe Black Panther. I didn't cry. Did I? I? No, I think I did. Star Wars, maybe I I even cried it in Star Wars. Really? Yeah. The new ones? Yeah. yeah. Really? <laughs> it's just like the the, 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 the emotion moment. swelling. There's always a moment when they you know they purposely get you. you really? know. Yeah. They know what they're doing. They know it, and I'm watching, their perfect. I'm their perfect. You're a sucker. Yeah, I'm a big I, sucker. Have you watched the new Queer Eye? The what? Queer Eye. No. It's the show where they send gay men. No. A group of five gay men who oh. each focus on a different aspect of of a person's huh. um, of who they are. They send them to these men, like generally straight men who need help. Huh. So they teach them how to like dress better, what? eat better. That's amazing. Yeah, so, but so they did revamp. It was a show in the nineties, and they've huh. revamped it recently for Netflix. Whoa! And I watched it, and I broke. I was breaking down in tears, crying my eyes out. Whoa. And I was talking to a, a couple friends about huh. it. And, and in, in talking, I was like, oh, yeah, we all cried. We weren't together. Wow. We all cried at the exact same points. And it's like, yes, it's oh it, it was impactful television. Oh, wow. wow. But they clearly, like, they know. They know that they're doing. At 22 minutes, you're going to cry. Whoa. For this. It's a Incredible. It's good. Well, I do that in my show, too. <laughs> well, we are, yeah, we know. We <laughs> Sorry, that's awful. No, it's not. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think it's really good. And I, I never, it's only been recently that I tapped into that in my performances. And of then, where to sort of amplify of the emotion? Ha- yeah, or, or just to allow myself to be in that, that vulnerable place and also to want to like kind of, you know, like usually a lot of people who see the show, like they do cry, you know, uh-huh. when with me. Uh-huh. It's like, it's just kind of, I want to try and ignite you know, memory in them and, and just like, I'll kind of give them permission to, to let it go, you know? Yeah. And that's, I, I didn't, I very much avoided that until I went to Indonesia. 
When was that? That was um, 2011. And that was your first time going? No, I had gone in 2010 because I was in East Timor doing three months of field work. And I zipped over, <laughs> zipped over to Indonesia for the, you know, because it was there. I'm like, I have to gotta get go there. To I yeah. got to get there because, you know, how can I? And it was an amazing experience. And that, that trip was so, it was like an eight-day trip. And it was really vital because that, that's where I met this, uh, my dance teacher who gave me the, the idea to come back to Indonesia for one or two years. So what happened? Oh, it's a beautiful story. <laughs> but um, so a friend of a friend was a Javanese dancer, and he, this friend, our mutual friend, put us in touch. Mm-hmm. And so we were messaging, you know, up until I went to Timor. And there was a point in my Timor research, I actually didn't expect to go to Indonesia. It was like an idea. But um, when I was there, there was, I did a performance with these other, like a lot of um, what they call Malai. <laughs> Malai means foreigner it means a non-timorese <laughs> uh-huh. so malai are you considered malai i well i'm timorese now i got my citizenship oh okay. i'm a dual so i'm timorese so they don't but they think I'm. but if Chinese. you cross someone on the street they're gonna they say would malai. say i'm a china but then i start then i then i start speaking tattoo and they're like oh uh so um so then anyway so there was an art exhibition and one of the artists was this wonderful um printmaker from indonesia from joe jakarta and so we met really connected and he said, you should, you know, anytime you want to come, just let me know and I'll introduce you to all these artists, you know. So that was a great connection. Mm-hmm. And then this friend of a friend who was a dancer, we were in touch and she said, yes, I can take care of you. I can like arrange whatever, wherever you'll, you'll stay. And so there was a lull in my research because my guide was busy, you know, and I couldn't go without him. And so there was this gap. I'm like, I'm going to go then. You know, it was like the middle of that mm. three month trip. And so I went eight days. I went to, I flew into Bali because that's the easiest flight from mm. Dili to Bali. And then my friend met me there, or my friend's friend, sorry. Her name's Sani, who became like my angel, <laughs> and met me there. And we spent days in Bali, then went to Jogjakarta, and then went back to Bali. And then I went back to Timor, mm. you know. So. It was so incredible. Um, I mean, Bali was amazing, but it was in Jogja that I felt like, you know, everyone I met through my friend's friend, Sani, like, I don't know, you just feel like everyone knows you or you're already friends, mm-hmm. you know? And and a lot of them spoke English. I didn't speak Indonesian at that time. Um, and so it was just like, oh, like I have to come back here. And then, and um, so Sani... I told Sani that, you know, I really, even though I'm here for a really short time, I still want to learn, you know, just a little bit of the singing, Javanese singing. And um, I didn't know really anything about gamelan at that time. I, really? Nothing at you that time. You were aware of I was aware. I knew it existed, but I had never studied. I, there was never a chance. I wasn't. But you'd heard it. You had an idea. <laughs> I heard of it, these... though. Yeah. I, yeah. I heard it. I had heard it. Um, but. I wasn't like seeking it out. Mm. You know, I was in New York, didn't, and I wasn't even, was I aware that there was a gambling group at the consulate? Yeah, at uh, York? Hunter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. but I, I don't think I even knew that when I lived. I just, it wasn't, you know, it just wasn't, I was focused on like Taiwan in, in, in indigenous music, Cuban music, Brazilian yeah, I mean, it's, music. It's I was going to Brazil. So that was already, you know, intense. And, um, and then China, and then Timor, you know, so Gamelon was like another thing, yeah, you know, yeah, so, yeah. but then 
Um, so she, my, my friend Sani introduced me to her dance teacher, her Javanese dance teacher. Her name is Butia, and she's um, still alive. She did have a stroke recently, mm. so I, I need to go visit her. But she's amazing. Um, just like, you know, the most sweet, beautiful, witty, you know, just just nurturing woman mm-hmm. <laughs> and um and so i i was saying yes i want to learn some singing as you know as long as i'm here and she said well do you want to learn the singing with gamelan or without gamelan because she said you're here for a short time so i think you should learn the singing without gamelan mm. the kind the kamotopat which is like just solo singing you don't, it's not a company. No accompaniment. Yeah, no yeah. accompaniment by the gamelan. So, um, because, well, anyway, <laughs> what I learned later, like that stuff's freaking hard. Yeah. And that's why I li- lived there for almost two years to study that two stuff. Two years straight? Um, actually, two years, but with like six months of Korea thrown in there, which I can talk about later. <laughs> but, um, so anyway, what was amazing is like she started teaching me, you know, these melodies, and I, I guess I really imitated her well and very quickly. And so she said, you know, you should come back here for one or two years. <laughs> you should come back How here for one woman? or two. She's now in her 70s. Okay. Um, but she might have been late 60s when I met her at that time. But um, so that kind of like stuck in my brain. And so I went back to Timor to finish my field work, and I wanted to... Then I, I was like, well, maybe I should do a Fulbright. I heard about the Fulbright. Maybe I should do a Fulbright in Timor uh-huh. to really go intense. Because I'd only gone to six of the 13 districts. You know, I'd already, I mean, I had only been able to do intensive field work in six of the 13 districts. So I thought, oh, I want to do a Fulbright. But they did not offer a Fulbright yet at that time um, to Timor because, they, you know, they have high standards for the universities. And my feeling is that they didn't um, deem that university in Geely to be at their standard, uh, right, perhaps. Sure. Maybe, but now it is, I think, because hmm. now they have, sadly, it's a Clinton Fulbright scholarship that's now available. Oh, Clinton. But anyway, oh, so that, yeah, okay. they allow, now they, they have Clinton, scholar, you know, Clinton right. Fulbright scholarships that... Um, I met all these Fulbrighters there. I'm like, man, you're so lucky. <laughs> that didn't, you guys, you know, none, none of that you existed, kids. you know, none of that existed when I was trying to go. But, um, so, so then I'm like, well, I could do a Fulbright in Indonesia and still get to Timor once in a while, you know? Mm-hmm. So that was kind of a very funny way to go about it. But, um, and then I kind of went straight into, um, Luckily, my old college buddy, his mom is like the American Sinden, like the first American Sinden. Sinden is the Sin- the tradition I was learning, the Sinden okay. tradition. Yeah, yeah. So, um, happened to be that my college buddy's mom was at University of Michigan teaching Sindenan and Gamelan, and so she introduced me to a very uh, important researcher called, named Kitsy Emerson. Kitsy Emerson. Who is American, but has been living in Java, is married to Japanese, amazing drummer who I just saw last week. Um, and she is a like the premier researcher of Wayang Kulit, which is the the um the shadow leather oh, yeah. leather puppet shadow. That stuff's puppet. incredible. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. And so she introduced me to kind of the the people I I needed to know in order to to get this Fulbright, because you need to have a sponsor. Mm at, you know, a 
a university that's on their list, you mm-hmm. know. So luckily she introduced me to the right people. I was able to get the Fulbright by some miracle because I wasn't doing any degree. Mm. It's just as a professional musician. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, this was like 10 years after I graduated from Stanford, but I still graduated through Stanford, luckily. So mm-hmm. that helped. Um it was just an incredible, it was, you know, so that, what I was talking about earlier was that I was very, maybe I wasn't really tapping into my intuition before I went to Indonesia. I was, you know, I was singing with Steve Coleman, mm-hmm. um, learning a lot, you know, but kind of not, you know, and, and I started my own band and that music was very, <laughs> uh, I think, intellectual. You know, I was dealing with languages, uh-huh. writing, you know, kind of esoteric stuff and using like non-musical things to create my music and mm-hmm. not, but not emoting, you know, not, not personal. It wasn't personal. Wait, but so ta- you said you weren't tapping into your intuition. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like there was some part of you that was moving along in the way that you were moving along because it felt like the thing that you should do? Kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was exploring, um, trying to find my own voice. I think like that album I, uh, put out at that time, it it was called Jade Tom. Yeah. It was like my first, you know, you can hear a lot of Steve Coleman influence, I think in that, in terms of structures and, um, rhythms. Did you feel, or I don't know, uh, I mean, you 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 wanted the music to rest pretty comfortably in the world of like contemporary jazz, and that I wasn't even thinking of that. I was, I think, I was just like just starting to compose uh-huh. and improvise over through those compositions, yeah. and I was just starting to deal with language and texts that I loved, uh-huh. and like figuring out how to do that, you know, using Mandarin. But I didn't want to. I didn't want it to sound like. Chinese music. I didn't want sure. it to sound like, you know, so I was like, I wanted to use that language, but have the music totally different. So, you know, than what I had heard before. So, um, you know, I was, just, it was all experimenting, but my only reference, I mean, my biggest reference was Steve. Because you spent so many years. So many years, sure. Him. And, and, you know, got a lot of inspiration from that. And, um, you know, but then I went to Indonesia and it was like, it kind of, I, I kind of see this like now as like post Indonesia, <laughs> mm-hmm. post Korea, you know, I mean, it was just, I don't know. It really was the beginning of this really fast and furious journey mm-hmm. um, and kind of letting go of all of these things that I should do or, sh- you know, which was yeah. kind of before I went to Indonesia. And um, so it was really becoming a student of just tapping in. And a student of patience and like observation and, you know, and really, really learning the tradition from the tradition's point of view, not from a Westerner's point of view, mm-hmm. you know. So I never, I think I stopped writing out melodies that I was learning um, in China. So when I was learning Kunchu and Shuo Chang. These are musical traditions? Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. vocal. So Shuo Chang, it means to um, speak, sing. Uh-huh. And it's like very, it, it has melody, but you have to kind of, the best way to sing it is not by singing, but by speaking, 
but you just happen to follow him. So, qi hua dang yang, you know, like uh. that. But you shouldn't like qi. You know, you shouldn't be too hung up on the notes. You should be like qi hua dang yang. You know, it's like you hit the notes, but you're really trying to. You're really speaking. Yeah. And so I remember the biggest critique that my teacher was giving me, and also my colleagues who were. Um, Students of my teacher, but they were Chinese, so of course they got the you know language is not an issue for them. Right. So they would tell me like you know you are singing the melody too much. You need to speak it more. You know. So anyway, it was idea. so amazing. Yeah. I mean, all every I have so many stories. You know. <laughs> but the, I mean, all the Chinese languages, like I mean, obviously, I'm, yeah. You know, I well, not I mean, I don't speak or understand them. Right. But I, I hear so much variation. Well, and you're it's living like, right around here. You, yeah. You, I mean, you know, it, you're so lucky. I'd love to live around here. Yeah. You know? Well, but you, I can hear like you know. I'm pre- I have a pretty good ear. Like my dad mm-hmm. used to call me a parrot growing up because mm-hmm. I can I can pick out sounds mm-hmm. pretty easily, mm-hmm. and I can hear like really like detailed yeah. differences in the way people. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and I just feel like mm-hmm. I don't know if if you are working with that language, even just as a person speaking, but especially if you're a person who's yeah. using yeah. vocal techniques, traditions, mm-hmm. and language mm-hmm. for an artistic expression, mm-hmm. it seems like it could be a very nebulous world of yeah. constant doing it wrong. <laughs> yeah, but that we know what's great is that, you know, the only way you can get better is by messing up and failing, you know? Yeah. Which is exciting. Like, so I think I, I, at that time also, I really learned to like let go of fear. I, I I mean, I guess that started earlier, even when I went to Taiwan for the mm. first time. That was right around when I met Steve and started singing with his band. But I remember <laughs> I went to Taiwan and I, my Mandarin, Mandarin was, you know, it was okay. Again, my parents didn't teach me. They didn't force me to learn at home. So it was kind of like me now wanting to learn, you know, as an adult. Mm. And um, I mean, I could understand it as a child. Um, but when I got to Taiwan, I was like, I couldn't read I was illiterate. Yeah, yeah, I could read like the simplest characters, but beyond that, you know, I'm, I'm still, I just need to go there. <laughs> I prefer to learn the language in the country. It's just really hard to do it here, mm-hmm. you know? That's an excuse. But um, <laughs> but for me, being there, like I learned Indonesian in three months because I was there. I was like studying six to eight hours a day privately. So that's how I learned. That's how I like to learn language. Um, <laughs> yeah. But um, but anyway. So in in Taiwan, I remember like I was looking for this indigenous music, um, any indigenous music, and I was stuck in Taipei. But of course, indigenous music is on the East Coast. You know, mm. it's in the mountains and um, harder to find when you're in Taipei if you don't know the right people. And so um, I was led to this kind of city councilman who happened to be sponsoring. A group of urban Ameitu, a, a urban Ame tr- indigenous group, okay, who were Ame. That's the name of the their tribe, I guess you could say. Um, they, but they lived in Taipei, working because they had, had to make money. Um, so they had a choir that mm. it was just like a you know a community choir, just getting together. Um, they would have food, you know, cook their favorite dishes, and they'd have rehearsals, and then they'd perform every once in a while. So he, I had to go to his office and talk to him and explain to him why I wanted to, you know, hang out and learn this music with my crappy Mandarin, you know? And so I was like, (laughs) combination of like Mandarin, sign language and like begging. And, and he, I remember, I'll never forget. He told me, oh, and then I had to call my cousin to have 
her talk to him with my phone. Wait, at some point, you're like, wait, I, yeah, I, exactly. I know a workaround. Let me call I know. my cousin. It's like, because I, I was like, I don't know if he's understand. He was very skeptical. He was like, you're American. You're Han Chinese. Mm. You know, you're not us you're not indigenous so what do you want you know he was a little bit like are you trying to steal our music or are you trying mm-hmm. you know so then eventually i just like had my cousin <laughs> call but i really tried you know to <laughs> before i did that and and he really appreciated like he told me you know the fact that you came here and you're so brave that you can't even really speak yeah. properly yeah that that is i'm moved by that uh-huh. and so here's where the rehearsal is just you know go there and they'll take care of you i'll tell them about you and it was amazing you know i I got to meet them and like incredible yeah but at that time i wasn't you know i I wasn't um as studious as i am now with field work like documenting and getting lyrics and translations and everything Uh it was more like just to be there with them be accepted and be have them be comfortable uh-huh. with me and you know that was a huge learning experience yeah field work yeah yeah wh- field wh- work. <laughs> i mean that's what they call it well i was you know i think my only guide was like the bartok book the book of essays i don't know this book it's a huge book it's blue with his like shadow shadowy silhouette on his uh-huh. face it's an incredible it's his writings and he writes about like why folk music or how to compose i mean he's like it's all these topics yeah. that are relevant to composers wanting to learn about traditional music so he went you know that he went with kodai like all around bulgaria sure Hungary, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, transylvania and you know romania and he collected these songs of like a wax cylinder mm-hmm. he recorded and then he really transcribed he transcribed them mm-hmm. in western notation and um and he really, he got the lyrics down. You know, he was so, that was his passion. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it gets a little tricky for um, for for a lot of people mm-hmm. to approach this idea and not be like cultural mm-hmm. vultures. Yeah, or, appropriation or, and all that stuff. You know, yeah. That's you know, a practice big... Orientalism and you know, right. it's just like I, I love I was on eBay the other night. Mm-hmm. And I was looking <laughs> What were you doing on eBay? <laughs> I, I I will tell you the greatest detriment to my life is the combination of credit cards. Ugh. I know. <laughs> eBay I know. and like drinking beers at night. Yeah. Um <laughs> But I was looking at all these Indonesian instruments and I was like mm. getting like, really excited about like buy, maybe buying some instruments. Which kinds? Which I was looking at these like um these symbols. Oh, uh, like very like in various size, you know, mm-hmm. you, you know, anywhere from like five inches, you know, hmm. and and they have these sort of like soft uh, handheld pieces, so uh-huh. like you can really avoid like your hand getting in the way of right. the sustained tone. Interesting. But then ultimately, I like slapped myself, and I was like, "What am I going to do with you know?" It's like right. anything I would do with it yeah. would just sound like some dumb guy. You'd have to go there and study. That's it. what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, I I just wouldn't want to participate right. with the music in that way. Right. Right. Well, that's good. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, yeah, I mean, I guess when I first went to Taiwan, I mean, that that was my dad's country. So yeah. that was kind of, it was more about roots. Um, not only was I looking for music, but I was like meeting all my relatives. It's like a Joy Luck Club experience, you know? <laughs> it's like a big dinner, sure. you know, lunch. And like I see all these relatives that I only had seen in photos 
It was really heavy, especially about my dad's sisters. You know, How many sisters? He had he has six sisters. One of them, his sadly, the youngest sister has passed away. She had cancer. But um, I, you know, there's these pictures in my dad's office in the basement of like his sister. He and the sisters are all lined up in like, you know, shortest to tallest, and yeah. then it's him. And he's not even the oldest. He's the third oldest mm. of the set of this. There are in total seven. And um, but I would always look at this photo, and they were so beautiful. You know, all the sisters, and they would like stand like models mm -hmm. <laughs> and they're like whatever, 70s, 60s clothes, I guess 50s clothes. And um, and I was like, man, someday I'll meet. And so I got to meet them and be close to these. Did aunties. you already have an idea like, of like who was the funny one, who was the, the crazy no, one? No, at that who was time, the... you know, I, I did, I did meet them like when I was seven years old. Yeah. But very little recollection. You know, I remember my second auntie because we stayed at her house. My fifth auntie because she had a bakery and we mm -hmm. ate like cookies at her place. But like, especially my my oldest auntie, we got da gu gu da is like big. <laughs> her face has such like a shape to it, and like, even though she's older, she has still the same like elegance from that picture. So like, I re I just remember being at a big luncheon, and my cousin was like helping me translate. But like just watching her and she'd be standing at the head of the table and she'd just be standing like, oh, you know, it was really dead to have that. It was really a really powerful mm. trip. And I knew I was going there for, for that, to, to be able to meet yeah. the family. And, you know, the music was just like my passion, you know, sure. but, but the priority, I think, was family. And I got to, to st I spent a lot of time with my dad's um Grand, well, it's my fourth grand uncle, his uncle, fourth, which is his, my dad's mother's youngest brother. And he was really a father figure to my dad because mm -hmm. my dad was, my dad's dad was pretty like stern, not very open. And, um, you know, whereas fourth grand uncle, he was a banker. He went to, the, you know, New English. He was more worldly. And so he was kind of more my dad's guide in terms of studying overseas, moving to America, you know. So my dad said, please spend time with him. He's my, you know. And so I spent a lot of time with him and his wife. Sadly, she passed away, my auntie. Um and just like, you know, it was so amazing. Yeah. That first trip, because I took it on my own, I didn't have a grant. I, I didn't Damn. get a grant. And and Steve convinced me and also Francis Wong. They said, just go. You know, it's not that expensive to go. But you should definitely go. And and thank God I did because I, I kept a budget. It turns out I didn't spend that much money. Sure. So then I applied, reapplied <laughs> to Asian Cultural Council that must have been four years later, and mm -hmm. then I got it. Yeah. And so then, not only had I already been there, and I had met my family and had that support, but Asian Cultural Council, they have such a huge network of, like, heavy artists. Like, you know, whoever, all, all the famous people now, you know, of, like, they're, you know, Lin Huai Main of Cloudgate. You know, okay. he had been, like, a grantee decades ago. Sure. But he was, you know not hugely famous now as he is. So, you know, that was an amazing, um, then those following trips, it was just like, just more and more incredible. And, How many um, trips in total? I went 2003, 2005, and then seven, eight, nine, and 10 
like wow. just in a row. Yeah. And and the ends were ended up performance opportunities, you know. So the more people I met and you know, the more opportunities came up. And and then I got to learn this moon lute, mm-hmm. you know, and hang out with the elders who play that instrument. And then they made me like the folk song ambassador. <laughs> Taiwanese folk song ambassador. They gave me a plaque. Really? And they said like I remember they said, um, can we make you the ambassador for five years? I'm like, oh, that's too long. Just one year. You know, I yeah, felt yeah, like yeah. the responsibility was too heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, that was that was incredible. So, yeah. like, the work that you're doing now. Right. And forgive me. I, I, I owe you an album. It's in my bag. Yeah. So I, I, was, wa- I was watching some of the performance. Okay. And it's, it's, it's a large-scale performance. Even though it's yes. one person. Yes. It's a large scale performance. You mean nine doors. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Sure, sure, sure. And you know, it it's it's utterly unique. It's mm. theater, mm. it's music, it's yeah. performance. It's like it's a lot of stuff going on. Mm-hmm. And I can't even imagine like like where do you even start when you want to mount something like that? Like you can't do that yeah. at like I mean you could I you, do it in small clubs. Yeah. Cause I, I like the challenge. Uh-huh. Like I, I so my so my solo piece before this one it was called Solarite Seven Breaths. And that we created in Indonesia with this amazing Indonesian director yeah. whose movies are just Garu Nugroho. Just look him up. Garu Nugroho. He's a huge star out there. But um, he's like indie filmmaker, but big celebrity. Sure. He has big charisma. And his films are incredible. But um, so he, uh, he directed this piece. I kind of stalked him when I went there. Really? <laughs> because I'd seen his film Opera Jawa which is just amazing. And it was like this mixture. It was like just exactly what I wanted to do. It was like traditional, but it was so contemporary, uh-huh. you know? So he had like installation art from like the, the best artists at that time. He had like the traditional musicians starring in it, but they were also like super contemporary. Like had they choreographed, you know, it was just, he's a good gatherer of mm-hmm. talent. So I saw that movie before I went to Indonesia and I'm like, I'm gonna meet this director, and I did. <laughs> and um, and so, you know, and then I gave him all my albums and like sent him links. And I was very like, you know, the lesson is like you have to be kind of be fearless and go beyond what you know what you know you you have to go beyond your known ability. Mm-hmm. And so at the time, I, I told him like, yes, I'm I'm creating, I'm looking for a director for my solo piece. My ne- and of you course said I, it just like that. I, yeah, well, I mean, I I didn't say it like that. I emailed it like yeah, that. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and uh, and I had no solo piece. I had no concept. But I'm like, yes, I'm working on my new solo piece, and uh-huh. uh, and I'm looking for a director. So then he like wrote back. He's like, I would be very happy to work with you. I watched all your videos. Oh, I listened to all your music, and I would love to work. And I was like freaking out. So now you have to step up to the plate. Exactly. Yeah. But see, now I've learned that that's the way to do it. It's a good way to go. And um, yeah, and it just pushes you and it, you accomplish more. And yeah, anyway, you grow faster. Right. So it's scary, but you know. Um, so anyway, he, um, what what we ended up doing, so that we created that show, we premiered at Roulette, and then I toured her all around and like the Ringling International Festival, you know, big places. Yeah. And, um, but then I, a friend of mine who I met when I was in Timor, is the Spanish filmmaker who happened to be doing research at the time we teamed up and um we are we are very in love with this this group of women they're seamstresses craftspeople 
who have a cooperative. They have their own business. They're on like the the they're they live in the island above East Timor called mm-hmm. Atauro, super isolated. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, more and more, it's it's getting it's becoming like a tourist des- destination for Timorese, you know. <laughs> um, but they have like they make dolls and they make bags and they ma- it's all handcrafted, all custom made, yeah. and they have these little machines. But you have to p- use the pedals, you know, to work it. Uh-huh. And um, there, it's like fifty women now, you know, and they all work together. And anyway, we love, we are so in love with this group. We're supporters. He's a lifetime supporter. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yes, give me, you know, let me be a lifetime supporter. And um, so we decided to, he made a film, like a stop, is it stop go, what do you call it? Stop, stop motion. A, stop motion animation, is that what you call yeah. it? Yeah. So he made a doc, a little fiction film featuring like the Boneka and the Atauro. And it's a beautiful film. Yeah. It's like. It's available. Yeah. For I'll, to I'll see? send it to you. Okay. It's like, I don't know, how long is it? I don't know, 25 minutes. You know, it's, it's a comedy. It's just. Gorgeous. It's, uh-huh. He animates the dolls, basically. Yeah. And um, and then the voices are the ladies from the Boneca, and then like you know, the people in the community. Yeah. And it's just gorgeous. And anyway, so he's like, so Jen, I'm going to release the film in in Timor first for them before I shop it around at all these festivals, which he's gotten a lot of awards already. Mm-hmm. Um, but we went there. and He's like, I want you to perform. You know, in you know, so we like we show the film and you perform, or no, you perform and then we show the film, you know, as part of like the, the release. Mm-hmm. And so we did that, and we did it in the villages where they lived. In like, so first we did it in their where their workshop is, and then we did it in another village, and then we did in another village. You know, so three sure. villages in Timor, in in just that island in Atauro, and then we brought it to Dili, and then did a, a kind of more formal performance. Um, in the Fundação de Orient, in the, how do you say? It's like a Portuguese foundation and they have a nice stage. And, um, but that was like, so I had no, you know, no electricity. So he, my friend would just hold a light <laughs> shining on me like a, like a flashlight. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then he'd just hold it and then I'd perform, you know, and the whole village would be there and kids running around, you know. No microphones. All my instruments. I brought all my instruments like on the ferry. Like tried not to drop them in the water. It was pretty amazing. Yeah. So so I love that. I love doing that with like, you know, I love the big stage and the lights and being able to do the full version, you know, but like to see there. And, and then I'm like translating for them the stories in Tetun, like Korean stories, but I'm translating it in Tetun mm. for them. That's so powerful. So like... They're not able to just pick up and go to Korea, Korea you know. Sure. But I can like show them something authentic. When, you know? when did you learn tattoo? Like how did I started? Well, you know, I went there in 2010. I learned a little there, but then I, I, when I went back, let's see. You're completely recently. conversational on it. Yeah. 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 I mean, once I'm there, then I it get it, I get it back really fast. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty simple language. Yeah. I mean, it's it's mixed. I mean, what the tattoo? I know best is mixed with portuguese because there's just words that too complicated um huh. that you just need the you just need the portuguese word right like um meditation like i don't uh, how do you say meditation would just say, meditation meditation so they would in in tetun they say meditação Okay. Meditação. So it's almost it sounds almost sounds like Portuguese, but they instead of using a C 
A with the thingy over it, tilde O, they have S-A-U-N, so they don't have to use any signs. Uh-huh. But it still sounds the same, sound, you know, meditation. Uh-huh. Um, you know, but they don't have a word, specific tattoo word for that. They would just say thinking, so that's Hanoi, you know. So, you know, it, it's like they would just use a simpler word. to. It's, you know, a lot of Mexican Spanish is like that. Like, I speak Spanish. Interesting. And I, I speak Mexican Spanish. Right, as opposed to Spanish Spanish. Yeah, or, Spanish, yeah. or um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Puerto Rican Spanish. Right, 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 right. Peruvian totally. Spanish. And right. I, uh, a lot of my Mexican friends, I'll yeah. ask them a question. Mm-hmm. I'll say, you know, amigo, como se dice en español? Wheelchair. Right. And they'll go, I don't think we have this in my country. Right. And it's like, I think you do. I just don't think you know the word. <laughs> yeah, but then they would use the English. They, would they just resort to the English? Um, yeah. Or, you know, like I I asked my friend the other day, <laughs> how do you say oysters in Spanish? And and he was like, no, we don't have a word for this. <gasps> and then I, this, and then, this is a guy from Puebla. And then I asked my friend from, from uh, Bogota. Yeah. And he was like, ostras. And I was like, yeah, okay. Ostras, really? Yeah. Oh. But there's something funny about like, like when you, even if you're a native speaker, if you mm-hmm. don't know the word, how you arrive at the word to express the concept. Totally. You know? Yeah, it's fascinating. Like thinking is not meditation. Thinking is the opposite no. of meditation. Right. No? You're right. But now see now, <sighs> but then they would say something like empty mind. So That's more like it. You know, so then you'd have to be like, how would you say? Oh God, I know I can't. I, I remember Indonesian is kosong. But even then, like even if you're in the United States speaking English, like yeah. the thing with language is, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like someone is good at language when they know how to to um, translate, translate, yeah. but modulate depending on who they're talking to. Yeah. So yeah. you know, if I was talking to one of my fucking dumb uncles, yeah, and I start <laughs> and, and like I had to talk about meditation, right? I would figure out a way to uh-huh. ease the language, yeah, so yeah, it's not yeah, a foreign yeah. idea to them. Right. As where if I was, you know, at like the Rubin Museum, exactly, I would talk yeah. in a different tone. Totally, totally. Anyway, yeah, no, it's very true. That's I. That's what I think learning language is. Is it's it's picking mm-hmm. up the nuances and the subtleties mm-hmm. and sort of. You know, and and like Yiddish is an example of this. Like, right. figure out how to incorporate hmm. um, just the perfect word right. that sort of winks at the person you're talking to. Oh, interesting. You know, that yeah. like tailors it to them in yeah. such a way that the true meaning is expressed. Right. That's very true. And, hmm. and again, I only speak Spanish outside of English, and hmm. I even that I don't do very well. But I'm sure you're great. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> My Spanish is very rusty, but. Um, yeah, but the the piece so, so I the mean, piece started there with this. Well, that that piece did that solo yeah. rights one, but but um, but actually that village performance that was kind of after I had been touring it in nice theaters for two years. Right. Um. So then it was kind of like I began to deconstruct that performance, like because the point it's like all about the people, you know. So like, you know, I had to sometimes I would just like skip certain parts you know that were too artsy <laughs> but or i would like kind of as i'm dancing i would explain what i'm doing you know because this stuff is so new for them mm-hmm. it's like it's their performance art you know that doesn't exist for them i mean no. it's just like they see traditional stuff and they see more like uh, not yeah pop concerts that come through from indonesia you know yeah but not like contemporary you know like creative sure. stuff so you know so it's like being able to engage and mm. still make it interesting to them. I mean, that's like the biggest schooling you know um 
you know, luckily I have all these parts where I like have the audience member like hold this bamboo stick to like get rid of bad spirits, hmm. you know, um, while I'm singing this blessing song from Korea. So it's like, and we're just like, you know, the, the bamboo's just hitting the ground. Yeah. And like, and they're just like, yeah, you know? Oh my God. <laughs> and they're just yeah, holding yeah, yeah. on and, and they're just enjoying the sound of Korean. And, and then I explained to them that like, we're getting rid of the bad spirits in Tetun. Right. You know? And, and I remember one time I did a performance in, in what they call um, Asia Foundation. There's a wonderful Asia Foundation. Uptown. No, that's Asia Society. Okay. But Asia Foundation exists in a lot, you know, all these countries in Asia. Yeah. And there's one in, T- in Dili. Mm. And so I'm, I'm friends with all the staff there. It's wonderful work they do. Um, but basically, uh, they invited me to do a presentation there. And so we did our whole release film thing there. The Ramos Horta was there. And mm. um and then, like, I remember I, like, tried to fo- find a volunteer and, like, he, a teamer's volunteer. And he, like, ran out of the place. And I, like, started chasing him because <laughs> he was scared. <laughs> like, don't choose me. And I chase him. Everyone's laughing. <laughs> so funny. That's, you know, stuff like that. That's, yeah, like, that's the a best. really, like, I wish. I mean, I don't, I, I don't think it is possible, but uh-huh. I guess I should say I'm envious of that aspect of working with text, of working with voice, right. of working, yeah. you know, in 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 a performative environment mm-hmm. that is, you know, that that does bring people in more, like right, that, you know, right, and you can do things, but but actually to have that that moment, yeah, is, yeah, know. I mean, in in Nine Doors, it's like a ritual, but I break out of it mm. and I just like talk to the audience and. You just surprise them, and I, I even have sometimes I I've been having people doing stretches or like what I call shit shakes, which I learned in ballet school. Do you okay. know what this is? No. You just like hold both hands like uh-huh. two people, and then you just go shit 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 shit, and you shake, and you and just say shit shit shit. And so that we always did that. The older girls taught us that to like get our nerves out before we yeah. went on stage. So we'd be backstage with music is going. We're going shit 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 shit. Huh. Yeah, with each other. Just to get the nerves out. It was so good. And then your your blood is flowing. Blood is flowing. You're, you're not nervous. Yeah. You know, you got the nerves out and you're just ready to go. So I, I've been doing that with audiences. Oh, my it's God. It's really fun. Yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. I, I make sure they do it with someone they don't know. Mm-hmm. So they get to, like, meet someone. So is this yeah. going to be, like, a continued... This is the piece I'm touring right yeah. now to these 50 states. Yeah. 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 And how's it gone so far? It's great. I What's, mean, like, the, the most, like, non-New York place you've done it? <laughs> I went to I did it in California. Well, but that uh, that's yeah, that doesn't count. <laughs> I Rhode Island, I went up there. That's also East Coast. Yeah, it's still pretty. But I'm going to go to North Carolina. Where? Uh but actually I'm just like doing Asheville a workshop. Or something? No, it's it's uh Chapel Hill. It's yeah. the UNC. Yeah, yeah I know. No, I, I know. Okay. So what's the <laughs> So but you know, it's just a progression. I, I'm just yeah. like going I'm trying to just tick off the You're gonna go to go. South Dakota. Definitely. Do you have a date booked? I don't yet. Okay. But I will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will. Um, <gasps> Nevada is possible. <sighs> Nevada is possible. Um, I wrote to someone in Colorado, but haven't heard back. What about Alabama Arizona's, or Arkansas? Uh, Arizona. I got to work on those. Yeah. I Arkansas is where I think you'll really. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited. Have your work cut out for you. Kentucky. Have you been spent much time in the South? I would. You know what's funny? I was a junior miss my senior year of high school. What? Junior miss. It's What's like that? it's like a pageant, but you're like a debutante. 
It's uh, like a. It's like what a do they call it when they introduce the it's like debutante? a Miss Miss Teen USA? But this was America's Junior Miss, which is all about. It's more about academics. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. Okay. The judging is about. Oh, so there's four categories: talent, uh huh, academics, uh, athletics, athleticism, Bathing and then <laughs> no, we didn't. We had to. We had to do a routine. We had to do like a workout routine. <laughs> I'm, we had to wear unitards. So you had to actually be like a strong young woman. Yeah, unitards. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you, unitards. So anyway, and then like, what was the fourth category? Oh, um speaking or or the interview oh right or uh god i can't remember what do you call that ah oh, no it's, but it's you, slipping you... but but the point is academics was like part of the scoring you yes. know so yeah so the four categories were that i won the talent competition as a vocalist or a pianist pianist uh-huh. i played the chopin <laughs> barker role the end of it and then i became i was one of the eight finalists point oh. being it was all held the nationals were held in mobile alabama so I need to write to my old host family. Yeah, and get, yeah maybe get you can get down there. to Alabama. I'm sure I will. Yeah, well, Florida <laughs> is is on the is probably going to happen. We've got Pennsylvania, of course, but that's easy. DC's coming up. Connecticut's coming up in May. Firehouse Twelve. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. of course. And you know, I'm doing. I kind of doing the easy. You're ones doing the first. easy ones first. Yeah. I gotta take. I gotta yeah, do fifty. Yeah, yeah. You know, I gotta do fifty. So Minnesota's coming up too. Or Walker Art Center or something. <laughs> no, someday. But this is at the Ice House, JT okay. Bates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great yeah. Venue. So um, I feel yeah. like if you go to California, yeah, you should you shouldn't do it in I LA or did. San Francisco. I you should already. do it at like in Redlands. Have you ever been there? No, it's like all crystal meth addicts and like. Oh, hey, is that near Palm Springs? Yeah, I just watched a documentary about that whole desert scene the desert that came meth out. Scene? What's Josh? What's his name? The famous Josh Homme. Yeah. From Queens of the Stone Age. Yeah, yeah. he's from, yeah. 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 Did he, is he in it? <clears throat> he, yeah, he gets interviewed. But uh, we were watching uh, the Iggy Pop thing that he did, the Josh Holmes. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we watched that documentary. And then we watched this desert. Desert session. Yeah. Yeah. With, and he was it's being pretty grim out there. It is. I'd Have you been around the country there. much since last you year? You know, I went as a child to like Grand Canyon, Montana. Uh-huh. You know, uh, the Southwest. I love the Southwest. It's beautiful. Like, like New Mexico. New Mexico. And, yeah. <gasps> I can't wait. So, yeah. But the, yeah, you know, it's it's an ongoing, like, I'm going to do return trips mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, so I did do California, but I only did one workshop in the, ho- in the house. But no, we couldn't hook up a school. Okay. So I needed to go back to California to do that. Maybe I'll do the desert. Yeah, Palm... Uh, Redlands. The Redlands. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, maybe that'll be good. Yeah, so I'll try and undo <laughs> And you've that. recorded it. That's what the record... That? You mean the tour? Well, the Oh, the, the, the Nine Doors. Yeah, yeah. No, that has <clears throat> not been recorded, but Song of Silver Geese right. with 10 musicians was recorded. And the solo piece really came out of that. Okay. It was like a solo version, mm-hmm. I guess, but... I added more material. So now uh, when I do it, I just combine. Mm. I combine both. Okay. So, yeah. And when's the next show in New York? Next show in New York. Ooh, Resonant Bodies Festival. Oh, where yeah, is Yeah, at Roulette, September 12th. Okay. Yeah. And you're going to present so, like a new... I'm going to do Nine Doors, but I'm going to futz around with the electronics. Yeah. It and... seems like that's the kind of piece that lends itself to constant... Oh yeah! And, oh yeah! Yeah, 
work in progress. Yeah, yeah. How's your career? Sure. You, you, you speak My of... Korean is... Um, 좋아요. It's pretty good. <laughs> it's, it's pretty good. I mean, yeah. I can speak... Okay, I studied six months straight... I got up to level two, which uh. is the normal, like, as you go. I could have spent a year, but I had to release the album. Yeah. So I had to leave. That was Sounds and Cries of the World, that album. So okay. I had to, like, cut off my thing. Sadly, I could have learned a lot more Yeah. in one it's year. Oh, it's really cool. It's a beautiful language. I'm. They tell me I have Korean soul. Oh. You know? <laughs> so... Anyway, I love it. The language is really hard, but um, I can speak to a second grader. You know, <laughs> it's pretty good. And um, you know, but I can definitely now. I have the foundation. I can learn. You know, I'm learning all the time. Yeah, new vocabulary. I know the writing. I understand. You know. Yeah. So I can read it. If you give me Korean, I can read it just fine. Yeah. I just don't know the meaning a lot if I do that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I can get around in Korea. Okay. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. awesome. Well, this yeah. has been good. It's eight Yay. seventeen. Oh my goodness! I better so get you should get to. Aww. Thanks for coming over. Thanks for having me. It's good to see you. Thanks. All right. Yay. All right. That was Jen Shu. I hope that you enjoyed that. She's great. She's really talented. She's hilarious. Uh, she's a good egg. Go to jenshu.com to learn more about her. And if, uh, like I said, you're in Minneapolis, get out to the Ice House tonight. Check her out. I'm sure you'll be in for a treat. Go to the 5049 website. Check it all out. Uh, buy some merch. Throw in a few bucks. Do what you got to do. Um, and we'll be back next week with a pretty good one, if I do say so myself. All right. Hope you guys are all doing well. Talk to you next week. Bye.